0: Welcome to the I Matter podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Hello, and welcome to the iMatter podcast. Now, I mentioned in the previous episode that I was attending the Next Big Thing Summit in Melbourne. And in fact, I recorded that episode from my hotel room. And actually, the sound wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. It was a fascinating event, and there was a mix of interesting speakers and really interesting exhibitors as well. And in terms of technology... The focus seemed to be about drones, robotics, and cybersecurity. There were a few other things as well, but there seemed to be a big focus on those areas. And I guess because those are things that are of interest to big business, which is where the summit was aimed, there were a lot of speakers and exhibitors talking about those sort of things. Uh, And there were a lot of people who were working in a lot of very specialist areas. And I guess the advantage of an event like this is that they all come together under the same roof. As I wandered around, looking at all these people who are working in all these tiny little specialist areas, it it struck me that I think the smartest people are those who can see the potential in picking little bits and pieces from different places and then combining them in clever ways. Any one of the technologies that I saw could have been transformational, but when you combine them, that's where you really get the exponential change. For example, think about things like self-driving cars, 3D printing, predictive analytics and big data, augmented reality, and drones. So I've talked about five technologies there, and any one of those could be a game-changing technology in in any number of industries. But the real power comes when you combine them. So let's think of a scenario, let's say in healthcare. So for example, you could have a self-driving ambulance that answers an emergency call and picks up a patient who's having a heart attack. Then intelligent software uses predictive analytics to diagnose a likely cause and the best treatment, and then alerts the medical team at the nearest medical centre. So let's suppose that no cardiologist is available and it's too far to get them to a hospital. But on the way to the medical centre, a 3D printer in the ambulance prints a stent to be used in the surgery, and a drone collects and delivers other equipment that's needed for the surgery. And because there's no cardiologist available, they have to make do with a medic but the medic can use an augmented reality headset to be directed step by step to perform the life-saving surgery. Now, that's a hypothetical example, and it might sound a little bit like science fiction, but it's not that far away. And anyway, that's not my point. My point is not that we have this solution now because we don't, but that we can be thinking about it and start thinking about using the technology that's coming in interesting ways, because that's going to be the innovation of the future. It's not necessarily inventing new technology, but figuring out how to use the technology within your industry, to integrate it, and also to use it in new and interesting and exciting ways to change your industry and change your business. And it's all about thinking differently, and that's why I'm really looking forward to bringing you this conversation with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jenny Brockis. Jenny is an expert in the brain, and particularly in how to use our brains more effectively in our fast-changing world, our fast, flat, and free world. I always enjoy my conversations with Jenny, and I think that you will as well. So let's join the conversation now. Hello, this is Gihan Pereira. I'm speaking today with Dr. Jenny Brockis uh, Jenny's an expert in brain fitness and the future brain. You can think of her as the Jamie Oliver of brain fitness. She wants to make brain fitness as important and as accessible as Jamie Oliver's done for nutrition. And she's got a strong and growing media profile. She's appeared uh, in print in The Age, in the West Australian, in HRM Asia. She's appeared on TV and radio with the Channel 9 morning show and various radio programs on ABC. And she talks about the future brain, which she talks about brain fitness and she's, she's written many, many books about brain fitness and her latest is Future Brain, which I'm particularly interested in because I'm a futurist. So welcome, Jenny.
1: Hello, Gihan.
0: So you are Dr. Jenny Brockis. I know you're a GP, so you spent all this time going to medical school and learning how to be a GP to help people fix their bodies and now you've switched over to helping people with their brain. So what made the switch?
1: I think I've always been interested particularly in um, the psychology of sort of why people think and behave the way they do. And recently the brain science has become much more accessible to us and that made me start to sort of question what we could be doing differently to, to assist ourselves so we can get more out of our lives and our work. And in my role as a GP, I was noticing two things. Firstly, I was seeing an increasing number of people coming in to see me because they were basically stressed out. Um, They were finding it hard to cope. They were having issues with relationships, particularly in the workplace. Um, They're experiencing various stress-related illnesses, anxiety, depression, all sorts. And that was causing me concern because it seemed to be a growing number. And certainly the statistics back that up because we're, we're seeing increasing numbers of people who are suffering from those type of conditions. But the second group that I was also concerned about were the people who were coming in, many of them a little bit older, who were complaining more about memory problems. And sometimes they actually did have cognitive decline or or early Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. And I was sort of linking those two groups to what was coming out from the brain science. And I had a bit of a sort of light bulb moment thinking, well, actually we could be doing so much more to help us to develop stronger, more resilient brains by using brain fitness and um, hopefully sort of reduce our risk of of suffering some of these conditions.
0: And do you think that this is really something that's become more relevant now, Jen, or is it just simply that we're, we're diagnosing it more and we're paying more attention to it, but the problem's always been there and it's just in the past, we've just treated something different or not diagnosed it that way?
1: I think it's always been there. Um, I think the the realization is firstly well we didn't know much about the brain and much of what we thought we understood was actually wrong. and And the second thing is now we can actually access that information and translate it into things that actually can make a difference a positive difference to help us. and that's that's different because we, we just didn't pay any attention to our brains before, we just took them for granted and and never gave them a second thought
0: and i think that's right isn't it like um, we just assume that we've got a brain we know how to use it and yes. we go we go to schools to get trained yes. in how we use our brain and then mm-hmm. after that we probably don't think about it very much at all
1: that's right and if the trouble is now everybody's living in, in such a fast paced way that um it's becoming increasingly difficult to check in and make sure that we are actually using our brain in the right way because we we don't have time to sort of pause and and, and ask ourselves Is this okay, or or should I be doing things differently?
0: Yes, that's interesting, isn't it? Because what you're saying is that we don't have the time to get it right. And because our world's changing so fast, we also need to get it right more than ever before.
1: Yes. And I think that that ends up to sort of bad things happening where we we get into trouble with poorer thinking. We make more mistakes. Um, Sometimes the decisions we make. Um, aren't as as good as they might be and we see some and and what's worse you sometimes see really clever people making really bad decisions and you think well what's going on there and it's sometimes because they're working so hard and so fast they're they're just um, using their brains or, or overusing their brain and so it's just not working as well as it should be.
0: Yes yeah I was quite intrigued that the the subtitle of your book Future Brain is all about 12 keys to creating a high performance brain so you think it's possible for people to create a high performance brain obviously do you think that's possible for everybody
1: I think it is it it is possible but it's it comes down to making a conscious choice because if you're open to the idea that you have this magnificent brain which you can choose to sort of improve in certain areas by your choice of focus such as if you want to improve how well you remember things um, how well you pay attention what your what we call visuospatial skills are things like that you can definitely make a positive improvement and it doesn't matter how old you are whether you're a child or, or a grown up everybody has that facility and it's it's about learning what to do to allow that to happen.
0: So do you think, Jenny, that you can do it like anyone can do it in their day-to-day life, or do you have to take time off and go and meditate sitting on the top of a mountain for three months?
1: Actually, the thought of sitting on the top of a mountain for three months is is not unpleasant. But um, no, <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no, you don't have to do that. Um, you can you can start to make changes relatively quickly, say over a 12-week period hmm. um, recognize first of all where you're starting from and what you want to look at achieving and then put in place those action steps each week you add another small action so you can start to see your progress and and are rewarded by the benefit of improving your brain fitness over that that period of time.
0: Okay, great. So let's look at some of these 12 ideas. And you've got these 12 keys to creating a high-performance brain. And 12 sounds like a lot, but I love that you've broken them down or grouped them into three key areas. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think the reason that I broke it down into three areas, because, yes, 12 seems an extraordinary amount of things to consider, is that often people notice that maybe their thinking isn't quite as sharp as it ought to be. So they immediately think, oh, I need to go and address that. Mm-hmm whereas what they actually need to be doing first is making sure that their brain is as fit and healthy as possible. And that's the bit that people often overlook or decide that it's not relevant. And so the first section of the book is called Create, and that's about putting in place those lifestyle choices that have been shown by the science to make the biggest difference. Then you can move into the second section, which I've called um, Operate, which is where you put into place those strategies to help regain our attention focus better um, notice what's going on around us more effectively and use techniques such as mindfulness to help us really boost our, our thinking prowess and that finally leads into the third section which is about integration and that's integrating how we think and how we influence others in their thinking as well because when we're working we're not, we're not usually working in isolation. We're working alongside other people in a team or, you know, we might be a manager leading other people. So working well with others is absolutely crucial so that everybody gets the benefit of, of higher performance.
0: Okay, okay, great. So what I can see is you've got the create part, which is just about getting fit, I guess. Yes. Then operate is using that fitness for strategies for yourself. Yes. And integrate is then collaborating and influencing others as well. That's right. That's exactly right. So, so let's look at some examples, Janine. Let's look at, in fact, in each of these areas. So what are some examples of some things that you can do to create a future brain?
1: Okay. With create, I think one area that a lot of people struggle with today is getting enough sleep because we're all so busy. We've got so much to do and get through. It's very easy to slip into the habit of working late at night or sometimes getting up early because we want to sort of get a head start. And so what we do is we shave off how much sleep we're actually getting. And of course, if we don't get enough sleep, we're already putting ourselves at a cognitive disadvantage because we're tired and tired brains just simply don't work very well. And mm-hmm. I sort of remind people that, you know, if you were to rock up drunk at work, you wouldn't be, it would not tolerated, you'd be sent off home. And yet we tolerate fatigue, despite the fact that, that sleep deprivation has the same effect on how well we think, as if we had a blood alcohol reading of, you know, 0.05. If you've been awake for 18 hours, so okay. we can simply add in 20 minutes of extra sleep by going to bed that little bit earlier each night, and that's that's a simple technique to really start to lift how well we're operating during the day. And the other thing is to to move more. I mean, we talk about you know exercise and finding 30, which is which is good. But then the trouble is we tend to then sit down for the rest of the day and that not only negates the benefit that the exercise provides, but actually reduces our capacity to think and learn. So by just getting up several times during the course of the morning or the afternoon or standing up when we're working, you know, a lot of people now have these stand-up desks, we boost our ability to, to pay better attention, we boost our ability to, to learn and remember better, so... You know, those simple things we can easily put in place to help us create a fitter, healthier brain.
0: Okay, and that's that's interesting because those weren't the sort of things that I thought you'd say. So you're not talking about things like doing Sudoku and mind puzzles and exercising your brain. That way, you're actually talking about physical things like getting more sleep and, and moving around.
1: Very much so. I mean, you can you can do the cryptic crossword puzzles in Sudoku as well. And that gives our brains a bit of a mental stretch. But we sometimes forget it's it's the physiology and the physical activity that that matters just as much.
0: Okay, good. I'm learning something already, Jenny, which is great. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So let's look at the operate section. So what are some of the strategies that you can then then implement now that you've got a fitter brain?
1: I think one topic is um, our lack of attention. Uh, a lot of people find that it's quite hard to stay focused on a particular task these days, and it's not because we can't pay attention or can't focus. It's because we've, we're just so distracted. And, of course, we've got this lovely technology available to us, which has been carefully designed to make us be mm-hmm. distracted. And as a consequence, we don't work as well as we might, and we often make more mistakes. So I think what, what the problem is, we're we're trying to overcompensate and trying to drive our focus too hard for too long and that's mentally fatiguing so if we instigate what I call brain breaks we actually use our focus more appropriately our our focus was designed to be used in chunks Mm -hmm. so if we think of it like um, working if you if you schedule your work into chunks of say 60 to 90 minutes work hard during that time by Shutting the door, shutting off your phone so you're not going to be disturbed, so you're really paying better attention. And then to give your brain a complete break for 15 to 20 minutes where you're not actually working on anything that you've just spent time on, but you're getting up, you may be having a stretch, you might be going for a glass of water or coffee, you might be having a conversation with a colleague, anything which allows you to stop focusing and allows your subconscious to get on with assimilating all the information that you've just been doing and that helps us sleep better i mean it, it sounds odd but if we don't give our brains a break during the day what happens is when we go to bed then all of a sudden our brain thinks oh now we've got time to work through all that stuff that we didn't have time to get through during the day mm-hmm. so in implementing brain breaks on a regular basis t- during our day helps us to focus more accurately on what actually matters and we get it done to a high level.
0: And you're talking about 60 to 90 minutes, which I think is still a reasonably long time, isn't it? It
1: is. I mean, some people would would work in shorter periods like that. I mean, you've you've probably heard of the Pomodoro technique, Mm -hmm. which um, works in chunks of, say, 25 minutes. I think it's what works best for you. And we're all different. And some people like blocks that are, you know, a little bit longer. And some people say, well, actually, I'm much better off if I do 20 to 40 minutes. So it's it's a bit, a bit of experimentation to find out what suits our particular mind.
0: Okay, that's good because I use the Pomodoro technique, but I've found that what works for me is 40 minutes with an eight-minute break. Oh. And, uh, and I'm glad that you're saying that's okay. So it doesn't have to be <laughs> 90 minutes. It doesn't have to be 25, but it has to be something. I guess that's what just you're saying. It has to
1: be something. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's the main thing. So one of the strategies in the operating asset is focus and attention. And I get that because that's really important. What's yeah. another one?
1: The other one, which <laughs> which uh, a lot of people sort of will debate hotly with me is uh, multitasking because Mm -hmm. it's often put down in job descriptions, you know, must be able to multitask. And I think it's because we're using the wrong vocabulary. What we are talking about um, from the brain's point of view with multitasking is assuming that we can focus on more than one thing at one time and we can't Mm -hmm. because our brain isn't designed for that. But what we can do is we can fragment our attention so we can actually perform different tasks at the same time. So we can walk along while holding a cup of coffee and having a conversation with somebody, but we're not applying our focus to any one thing of the, or any one of those. So what I'm showing people is um, that the best way to get more done to a higher level of accuracy is to monotask. And we've, It's it's interesting. Some people have forgotten what that actually is. I actually get asked by people, what is monotasking? And I say, well, it means prioritising your work, choosing which activity you want to do first and, and only doing that and nothing else. So you get you get it done better.
0: Okay, so isn't that the same as what you just said, Jen, with, with focus, that you work for 60 to 90 minutes on a task without any distractions? Or is there something more subtle that you're talking about here? It's
1: a, it's a bit more subtle than that, um, because we think we sometimes think we're focusing well by sort of just getting on with a particular piece of work, but we may still have uh, our phone that we're checking from time to time, or we're hearing noises and things like that. So mm-hmm. It's, it's similar, but slightly different.
0: Okay. And I, I completely believe that the, the idea that you can't really multitask and all you're doing is switching between tasks. Yes, yes, and I yes. know because I've got a computer science background that in the very uh, like early multitasking computers, um, they were called multitasking, but they were switching from task to task yes, to task. Yes. And the more switching uh, that they did, the, the slower they became because they had to spend time switching and switching back. Yes. So it was a bit of a trade-off. And I guess it's true for our brains as well.
1: Well, the worst thing about multitasking is it's been shown to reduce our ability to monotask. Mm-hmm. But even more, um, they did a study in London and found that chronic serial multitaskers drop their IQ by about 10 points,
0: wow. which is
1: worse than if you if you miss a complete night's uh, worth of sleep. So it really isn't a very good thing to be engaged in.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so... Can we move on to integrating? Because I reckon that's yes. the most interesting area for me because it looks because I'm really interested in how we use our brain to influence others, to work with others, to lead others. So, what can you tell me about that?
1: I think uh, the area in particular here is is in relation to how we manage our change because Good. change yes. is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's raining change, and the pace of change is escalating. So knowing how to deal with that effectively isn't really important. And from the workplace point of view, especially because the the history of success of change initiative is, is quite appalling. Um, uh, Cotter did some studies 30, 30, 30 years ago and found that 70% of change initiatives fail. And then McKinsey did some follow-up back in 2012 to see you know, how much better people have got at managing change and found that there had been no improvement whatsoever mm. so which was which was not encouraging but i think what what we can do now is use the brain science to help us because we understand now how the brain views change and it views it as this enormous threat and when we're feeling threatened by something we automatically shut down and go into survival mode it, it all becomes too hard and we don't want to know so leading effective change management is about understanding how we can overcome that brain's natural resistance to move towards something that we're going to find rewarding about that change and we there are several um, techniques we can do that but the first and foremost thing is to understand sort of why the change is needed so often change is foisted on us and if it's a choice that we make for ourselves that's fine but in the workplace sometimes you know the directive comes from up high this is the new policy or procedure you'll be following and we we respond to that as oh my goodness that's a huge threat and we don't like it because it's moving us out of our status quo we'd like that you know to stay in our comfortable position without having to engage in change which can be seen as hard work and take a long time and is tiring and and sometimes it's just a bit scary so Mm -hmm. we need to we need to look reframe
0: how we look at change. Well, I'm, I'm always intrigued, Jenny, when, whenever I hear people talking about change in a fast changing world, and I'm one of those people as well, mm. it seems that Gen Ys or millennials seem mm. to take change for granted. In fact, they want change, they love change, they're bored if there isn't change. Is there, is there a difference uh, or is there anything that we can learn from the Gen Ys and the millennials about how to manage change and how to, how to prepare our brains for change?
1: Well, that's a very interesting question. Actually, um, I think we can, because I think I think it's how they approach it, and they approach it as oh, this is exciting. This might be something really useful to us, and they've they've flipped it from being a threat into that. Well, let's look what we're going to see from here. What well, I might get out of this, because this could be a huge opportunity to learn from. So it's it's changing the mindset about around how we view change and, and I think sometimes a lot of resistance does come from um, you know people who are in a different generation who are a bit more stuck in their ways and like things done the way they're always been done because that makes them feel comfortable and safe.
0: Yes I, I think for myself I, I quite like change I just don't like changing Yes, I think
1: that's that's true. Very
0: true for all of us. Good. Okay, so change is one of the things that we can do, and absolutely, if you're if you're leading or or working in a team, or you want to influence others, it's really important to be on top of that. What else you uh, say?
1: The other thing is about how to um, become more creative with our thinking. Um, sometimes when I'm talking to sort of different people in in business world you know, they're saying, oh, we'd, we'd like our staff to be a bit more imaginative and come up with new ideas, and yet they haven't set up the, the sort of environment to sort of allow that to happen. Um, again, it comes back to the brain and, and what the brain feels is a safe environment. If we're feeling sort of supported and we're not going to feel judged, uh, we feel more open to sort of putting forward a new idea, Um It's also important to consider how uh, a business is structured. If you've got a traditional sort of hierarchy, some people in the lower levels might feel that they're not going to be listened to and so they don't bother to to share uh, their ideas and so the the people further up miss out. So if we put in place an environment which nurtures and respects everybody's views and, and ideas, then you start to sort of get this sort of lovely sort of melting pot where people feel okay to throw their ideas and if you're with people who are in that state of well let's consider this it sparks curiosity and it sparks our imagination and that's what leads us to be able to think more creatively it opens our mind up to alternative ways of approaching things or or looking for greater insight and the insight part is actually connected to to how we apply our focus too, because if we're thinking too hard about something, we don't always come up with the answer and I don't know if it's it happened to you, but sometimes to to find a solution and come up with a new idea, we need to take ourselves away complete, you know to somewhere completely different because we're uncoupled from our focus. And all of a sudden, we're relaxed. And the more relaxed we are, the more likely we are to have those lovely little associations come to, together and form that, aha, that's the way we should be looking at solving that particular problem. So problem solving um, can be managed by the brain in, in two ways. One way is the way that we've often used, which is applying our logic and analytical thinking. And the other way is to move towards more insight, which we have to do by uncoupling from our focus first.
0: So if you're a leader, if you're a mm-hmm. leader of an organisation or even of a team, how do you create that sort of culture which can allow people to spark creative ideas, create, create the environment for innovation?
1: I think for leaders, it's very much um, leading by by example. If they demonstrate that they are genuinely interested in seeking Ideas from other people, and you know that the ideas are shared and discussed in a way that everybody is is listened to. That is what makes the biggest difference. It's about sort of flattening out the the hierarchies so that everybody is is treated as an individual, um, and you've got autonomy to to you know think outside the box.
0: Yes, and it doesn't mean you have to have bean bags and coloured walls. No, and you don't. Rooms, bean do you? bags
1: are not compulsory. <laughs>
0: um, well, it just seems from what you're saying, Jenny, that even some of the things you talked about earlier, where if you're talking about having brain breaks of twenty minutes, if you have that sort of office culture where people, you know, they, they're not, they're not told off for goofing off just because they're having a brain break, it yes. seems like that's the sort of thing that might spark innovation or creativity within those yes. within those people at that time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, a brain break can sometimes be um, thinking space where you're just taking yourself away from your desk or wherever you happen to be and just give yourself that little bit of time just to mull things through. It's, it's you know, pausing to reflect and consider what might work here. What co- what could I be looking at differently?
0: So that's, that's interesting, Jenny, with talking about innovation and creativity in those brain breaks. I remember reading an article fairly recently in the Harvard Business Review about a company, I think it was a call centre, and their staff... Um, it all took breaks at the same time and generally that's not done in call centers because you want to have breaks staggered but by doing it that way people had the chance to chat with each other have informal conversations and it turned out to be a much more creative and innovative workspace because people got the chance to collaborate and I guess that that leads on to collaboration which I know is one of the other ideas around integrating and influencing others.
1: Mm. It's it's interesting you mentioned that that uh, particular paper because it's true and I know some work workplaces now deliberately set up their offices that so people bump into each other. You know we used to have that horrible time when we everybody had to work in separate cubicles, um, but now it's been realised that if you allow or facilitate people actually coming together and talking to each other maybe not around anything in particular about their, what they're working on, but just that sharing of conversation can really trigger things to, to help people understand each other a bit better and look to relate to each other more effectively too because mm-hmm. the more we understand each other and, t- and realise that we've all got our unique take on what the world looks like, we can actually start to sort of bring that all together. And I see that as a really positive driving force to create effective collaboration where everybody's included and everybody starts working together towards this, no, the same outcome, but by bringing in their own unique viewpoints
0: and I guess it's also being able to recognise that people have got individually unique viewpoints, and being able to embrace that rather than it's not even it's not even tolerating it, but certainly it's not rejecting it either.
1: That's right. It's, it's embracing people's um, strengths in particular areas, so that you, you can draw on on their particular knowledge and expertise in one particular area, which other people may not have, and by pooling it all together, it, it becomes a win-win-win for everybody.
0: Yes. Yes. And we, we've spoken briefly about leadership, Jenny, and how to create a culture of innovation and an environment for innovation. Is there anything else that brain, like future brain leaders or brain fit leaders can do to, to be good leaders for themselves and for their team?
1: From, from, from my perspective, I think the most important thing any business leader could do today is to recognize the value of investing in the brain health of every single employee within their business or organisation. Because if you've got an organisation which is fully brain fit, you have a, a much um, stronger, more resilient workforce that is engaged and motivated and loyal to, to the organisation itself. And, and I think that, that that's the perfect scenario where you've got people then who Love doing what they do because they they like working for who it is their their whoever their boss is um, because they 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 trust their boss mm. and they feel respected by their boss by their boss and that drives performance and and the bottom line.
0: How do they do that? How do they invest in getting a brain fit workforce? And I'm sure the people who work with you are very, very lucky to work with you. But you can't reach everybody. So, <laughs> if you don't have access to Dr. Jenny Brockis, what can what can you do to become more brain fit as a team?
1: I think it it all starts from the top. And if you've got a, a leader who is open to the idea that business and profits is not just on um, technical expertise and knowledge and more on how people apply their thinking and ensuring that people are in their best, in the best state mm-hmm. to perform at their very best mm-hmm. by investing in health and wellness programs, basically, um, then they're going to start to see the difference. And leading by example, showing people that it's okay to take time out to think and it's okay to take time out to do the exercise they need to stay well. It's all those sort of things that they, if they are transparent about, and demonstrate that you know they're trustworthy they're providing people autonomy so that they can get on and do their job and they they're fair in with their dealings with people um, and and sort of are empathetic they're not sympathetic, but they're empathetic. They're supporting people because they, they know them as individuals. I mean, in huge organisations, that's not going to be necessarily the case. But it's allowing the, the what I call the humanising of, of the workforce. And I think the forward-thinking leaders who embrace that are, are going to see the benefits.
0: Fantastic. And for those people who do want to find out more about you helping them, Jenny, what services do you offer them? And please also talk about the book because I think it's a great book.
1: Well, the services I provide a a wide variety, obviously, as a professional speaker, I can speak at at conferences and events, but I often go and provide in-house solutions, which might be a series of workshops or masterclasses. And sometimes I provide uh, individual mentoring with the leadership team. And the book? The book, the book is available. It's available online. It's available to all good bookstores. It's a soft cover and an ebook, And of course, it's also available at my website.
0: And the book, just in case you missed it, is called Future Brain. So it's a very easy title to remember, Future Brain, and you can get it at Jenny's website. Uh, jenny, what is, uh, what is your website and how do people get in touch with you? Is that the best way?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is probably through my email, which is jenny at drjennybrockis.com or one word lowercase, and they can access my website,
0: com. Brilliant. And could you just spell that out?
1: It's D-R for doctor, Jenny with a Y, and B-R-O-C-K-I-S.
0: And just .com. .com. That's right. Great. Jenny, it's been great speaking with you again. I always learn something new whenever I have a conversation with you and I've learned a lot today. So thank you very much for sharing your insights and your wisdom. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I really recommend getting a copy of Jenny's book, Future Brain. And just before we finish up, a quick note about the next webinar that's coming up in my Future Proof webinar series, and this one's called The End of Distance. It's all about the impact of technology on bringing us closer. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the technology that I mentioned at the start of this episode. So come along to the webinar on Thursday, the 12th of May. It's free, and you can register at seeingintothefuture.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. And if you do want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos, and webinar series. They're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of the individuals in your organization, your team, and, of course, your own potential as well. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. Been listening to the I Matter podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes or leave
1: your comments, visit imatterpodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.